Walkus the Detective. He's so cute. It's Amigos, episode 362. When I'm not playing the Lost Eye of Thundera on my Commodore Amiga 500, I love nothing more than cruising Third Earth in the Thunder Tank, listening to Aaron and John on the Amigos podcast. Thunder. 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 Thundercats. Ho! Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. I'm Brent. And today, Brent, we are going to be talking about Wacus, the detective. Yes. Brent, have you ever been part of a stakeout? Uh, I've I've eaten a steak. Does that count? Uh, I think that counts. You know, when <laughs> I was in college, I was in a fraternity. And we used to yes. play this game called Assassination. Have you heard of this before? I have not, but I'm intrigued. So, in Assassination, what you do is you you get a target, right? Everybody draws a random target out of a hat. And okay. it's your job to assassinate them with a water gun. And there are certain rules about where you can and cannot assassinate people. Like, you can't assassinate people inside of a classroom building. But you're free to wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning and wait outside their apartment for them to emerge and then get them with the water gun. So I've been on many a stakeout playing the assassination game. And these things got epic, as you can imagine, in a way that only people that join a fraternity would take them. Absolutely. Now, I have a question. Are you able, can you set up like booby traps? Oh, yeah. Is, yeah. Would that be allowed? Okay. Yeah. Okay. And you can, you can bait them with attractive ladies, you know, whatever, whatever <laughs> it takes, whatever it takes. I was led into the restroom of a, of a, of a drinking establishment and was shot in the back by my assassin <laughs> who was, who set me up. So it was, it was always a good time, the assassination game. So what about other sor- forms of detecting? Um, did you ever, uh, does that line of work appeal to you at all? Uh, I think I like the idea of detecting work more than the actual doing of detecting work. Now, I have fished down many a, a lead for, say, ARG Presents, right? Where you're like, man, this guy did one game. I wonder what's up with that. And you spend hours and hours researching if he ever did anything else. You know, where he's at now, that kind of thing. And that's actually kind of fun to do. It's fun to do that kind of research. Uh, but it also sucks because... A lot of times you'll be like, oh, like this guy sounds awesome. I'm going to find out what he did. And you find out like, oh, he like killed a guy oh. or like, or like, <laughs> uh, he's, he's in jail for drugs. It's like, oh, well that sucks. I don't want to know that. I want right. to go back to when I didn't know that. Now you can't, you can't do that. You, you can't meet your heroes. It's not good. It's not good. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what is good. And that's this week's Amiga news. Amiga news. All right, Brent, first thing we need to talk about is a story that was posted on YouTube. This is something that comes from Amiga Love. Amiga Love for the Uninitiated is one of the U.S.'s biggest proponents of the Amiga, specifically the original Amiga, the Amiga 1000. And uh, this is his video on uh, spotlighting a, uh, a pretty cool thing that I never heard of before. This is the way that you could use an early, early, early PDA called the Sharp Wizard to connect to your Amiga and not only uh, transfer data, but you can actually type 
on your Amiga and have it show up on this on the Sharp or vice versa. Now, did you have a did you have a PDA where you rocking the Palm Pilot back in the day? I did have a PDA uh, early into my high school career. Uh, Mom and Dad bought it for me. I was like, oh, if we buy this for him, he'll be a genius. It didn't work, <laughs> but I loved it. You could do. I, I mean, here's what's kind of crazy, right? You were talking about you hook this up to the Amiga and you can type and it shows mm -hmm. up on the on the Amiga. I just recently, uh, I can do that sort of thing with my current cell phone. I just found out about it. And I was so intrigued, I was so amazed to think that they were doing that back and the Amiga 1000, 1000 times is mind-blowing. Yeah. It yeah. is mind-blowing. I love it. That's awesome. This was always the promise of these little devices like the uh, the Atari Portfolio. Uh, what was that TRS-80 or that that really tiny TRS computer that you guys covered on ARG where it, was, yes, it, it yeah. wasn't meant to be a standalone computer for always and forever. It was supposed to sort of interface with your main computer and be sort of like a mini laptop that you could use on the go in a limited capacity. I love stuff like this. Um, I remember there yeah, were, the old uh, uh, Model 100. Yeah, the Model 100. Portable computer. That's right. I remember there was a thing. I always think about this when I think about PDAs. I remember looking at Radio Shack. There was a thing at Radio Shack that did nothing but let you look up baseball statistics. It looked like a PDA, and all it would do is search the database of MLB players and let you pull up people. And I thought, man, talk about a single-purpose device. But, of course, I thought it was awesome because it had a screen on it and a keyboard. So. That's it. That's all it takes. <laughs> yeah. A screen and some buttons, and we're, we're intrigued. That's right. That's right. So make sure you check out this video called Take Your Amiga Data On The Go over at Amiga Loves YouTube channel. Now, Brent, this next story is another video. Ravi Abbott, of course, one of the, the shining stars of the Amiga community, he has really outdone himself. You know, he's done several of these uh, documentaries about the Amiga over the years, and this is a full-on retrospective, a post-mortem, if you will, of the downfall of the Amiga Corporation. And where does he start? Of course, with the CD32. <laughs> because, <laughs> let's be honest, that was the beginning of the end. So For much a story <laughs> like this, that's exactly where you need to start. <laughs> so much money was poured into the CD32. It yeah. was rushed to get out because because uh, Commodore knew that that the, that uh, that the winds were changing and that uh, CD technology was going to be the future and that that the the cards were were being laid on the table. So they wanted to get this thing out first, and they did kind of. Um, and, uh, and it didn't do as well as they thought. Of course, Ravi talks about the development of the Ombre chipset, which was going to be a chipset that was going to go into a gaming machine, not unlike the CD32 that was, uh, co-developed by Dave Haney that, uh, according to the interview was going to outshine the PlayStation in certain respects. Of course, the Ombre never came to pass. And so that, that period of time is sort of lost forever. He goes into the ESCOM acquisition of Amiga's assets and how ESCOM was was this really successful computer seller that quickly went down the tubes as soon as they bought Amiga. <laughs> so it was a question. I have a question for you. You said that, you know, Amiga put all their eggs into the CD32 basket and that, you know, when it failed, do you think they were surprised it failed? I, I don't think that they could have possibly been that blind to the situation, to the uh, landscape as it was, uh, to think, man, this thing's going to go out there and kick butt. Well, if you... I think they went, developed the best thing that, well, the best in the time allowed 
thing they could, and they said, boy, I hope this works. <laughs> well, you have to look at the period in which it was developed. So this thing came out in 93, which means development would have started in 92. So in 92, the Amiga landscape was still pretty, it was still pretty dominant in the sort of stronghold areas of the Amiga, which would be, you know, your Europe and in the UK and things like that. I think that they originally pictured the CD32 as having a lot more developers come on board at the beginning. Um, and because this thing was kind of, at least the way that Ravi tells the story, they rushed it to market so much, they just didn't give development developers enough time. They didn't give them development kits or anything that they could actually take advantage of whatever, you know, whatever was actually making the CD32 go above and beyond the desktop Amigas that were out at the time. Of course, they couldn't have known that the PlayStation was going to make the splash that it did. And if you look at the CD-based consoles uh, of the early 90s outside of the PlayStation, you weren't really going up against a lot of heavy hitters. In fact, the uh, CD32, the first month it came out, it actually outsold the Sega CD in the UK. So it sort of came out. It was just what what really uh, what really where they really dropped the ball was that lawsuit where they weren't allowed to sell these in America. Obviously, America pretty pretty big market, and yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah kind of need us. And so that that was that was that was really unfortunate. Another mistake that uh, that Escom made was they decided to bundle. There was some sort of a bundling with OS two. Uh, this Warp OS, you know, remember this is one of these like alternative operating systems, and I yep. guess SCOM was going all in on Warp OS 2. That didn't do them any favors. They talk about the Amiga 4000T, which was uh, developed for the United States market. It was actually uh, built here, I believe, uh, and released in limited quantities for people that were into the uh, the video production line of things. And I believe that you and Aaron actually owned a 4000T for a time, didn't you? We did for a brief moment, yes. Yeah. Or at least parts of one. I don't think we ever <laughs> actually had it functioning. Uh, but yeah, we had the majority of a AV4000. So any, anyway, I could talk about this video all day. I just found it to be endlessly fascinating. Ravi does a great job of telling a complex story in a very easy to understand way. And uh, he supplements it with, you know, if you just take a look at all, you know, thousands and thousands of clips. So uh, I highly recommend you check out Downfall Amiga after Commodore and then cry yourself to sleep because it's not a happy story. <laughs> All right, Aaron. Aaron, I'm sorry. I promise you this is not going to be the last time that I call you Aaron over the course of this <laughs> podcast. Uh, we probably should mention, since uh, since we didn't mention it at the beginning, where is Aaron? Aaron is his taken to the hills. He is off this week. Uh, he has taken his son, and they've gone on a whirlwind tour all around West Virginia and the neighboring states. He will tell you all about that uh, when he returns. And uh, Brent has so graciously filled in for him. So thank you, Brent. Yeah, they said if I didn't do it, I was off all the other shows. So I was like, oh, no, I don't want to. <laughs> now, I'll tell you something you're going to be interested in. Dragon's Lair 2, the sort of yes. uh, somewhat uh, forgotten about Dragon's Lair, has been redone. The intro animation has been, done, been redone frame by frame in personal paint. So personal paint is uh, the... Uh, I don't know if it's lesser known or not, but of course everybody knows about D-Paint. Everybody talks about Deluxe Paint and how it was always yeah. used for everything. Well, Personal Paint 
uh, was actually was developed by Michael Blatt, who actually went on to uh, work for Cloanto and is the brains behind the Amiga Forever project. He he designed Personal Paint, and it was bundled with quite a few Amigas uh, back in the day. So I would say if it is second place, it is a close second to Deluxe Paint. And this guy has used Personal Paint to totally redraw every frame of the Dragon's Layer 2 Time Warp intro sequence. Talk about a labor of love. Yeah, that, that's that's an amazing and time-consuming task. Although I have to say, uh, like you said, Time Warp, uh, not as high uh, praised as the original. And I, maybe rightfully so. I, I think they they bit off a little more than they could chew with Time Warp and didn't quite finish all the aspects of it. However, some of the scenes and the artwork in Time Warp are phenomenal phenomenal and to see it uh, all prettied up like this quite impressive yeah yeah so you can check that out uh again uh just the fact that somebody took the time to do this is very impressive and we thank uh, neil at indie retro news for bringing this to our attention next couple stories actually come from neil uh this next one aaron or brent sorry jeez, five seven years of doing this it's hard to say a different name uh you know what do you think about Space Invaders as an arcade game? I don't like it. You don't you don't think it holds up? Oh uh, no, I think uh uh I mean going back and playing it now, no. Going mm -hmm. back and playing it now, I hate it. Okay. Uh <laughs> it, it's for me it's there are so many advancements to that that kind of shooter mm -hmm. uh that are so much more enjoyable for me to play and to interact with. I respect what Space Invaders was. I respect, uh, uh, you know, its place in history. It's definitely well-deserved. But to go back and play it now, no. Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. To me, Space Invaders, uh, there's there's really not much it brings to the table that isn't done better. Really, what would you say, what is the oldest shooter that you think that still holds up? Galaga. Yeah, I'm right. Yeah, Without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because even Galaxian... You know, it, well, it, it, it's it's a different sort of shooter because you're limited by the number of shots you can take. Um, but to me, it just it's not it's not as much fun to play. Um, I mean, what do you think? Oh, I, another good one is Satan's Hollow. Mm -hmm. uh, again, yeah. it adds enough new things uh, to make it enjoyable. It, of course, that came out slightly after Galaga, but yeah, it's. You've always got to be stepping these things forward, right? Mm -hmm. You always have to have some kind of innovation to keep these things interesting. So, I, I, Galaga is definitely number one on my list. Yeah, yeah. For me, that's the oldest shooter that I can actually play and say, boy, I'm really having a good time here. But yeah. it's kind of cool to go back and uh, look at these ports because what, what this guy has, has tried to do is this is actually version 2 of uh of um space invaders uh for the amiga and it it aims to be uh arcade perfect this is by ami 10 software and of course the uh, space invader the original space invaders had the black and white screen with the color overlay and this is uh yeah. simulated by colors with the uh, on the amiga version but you know i even though space invaders isn't a game that i would go back and i would play just for the fun of it i would check this out just to see just to compare it with the arcade original and uh, and see how you know how close they're able to get the an amiga version yeah and really that's that's what this is about right because right. it's if you want to play Space Invaders, there's a billion ways to do it. 
But having someone take the time to go in there and try to get it arcade perfect from hardware that shouldn't be arcade perfect, yeah, that's something you, you compare and you go, ah, you know, I think he can tweak right here or I can't believe he got that right. Uh, so, yeah, good. that's a good little project to check out, yeah. even if you don't plan on playing it. Right, right. All right, our next story is, uh, this is, you know, we don't often talk about uh, OS 4, the Amiga OS uh, that uh, or we is, don't often talk at all. Yeah, on uh, this is uh, this is. Remember when we went to Boat Fest? Do you remember Boat Fest, Brent? Man, it was so long <laughs> ago. Let me think back. Yeah, I think I do. Uh, there was a man, a good man, a man named Level Lord that brought yes. his uh, Amiga X five thousand to the show. That was neat. Yeah, that was some neat stuff. And this is a game that he can fire up on it. This is a tower defense game called Mace, M-A-C-E. Uh, now, it's uh, Mace actually stands for Military Alliance of Common Earth. Uh, Aaron, Brent, jeez. <laughs> what are... Can, uh... You know what? I can be Aaron for today. Whoa! Wacky, wacky, wacky! <laughs> Boy, you nailed it. Um, do, you, do you play these tower defense games? I know this was a huge deal on mobile like 10 years ago, but, I mean, do you still play these from time to time? I do. Uh, much, uh, oddly enough, much like the uh, uh, shooter genre, as long as you can add a twist something that makes it interesting to grab my attention, I will check out tower defense games. I, I think they're a good brain-dead setback, but it has enough elements of, like, strategy that I find enjoyable. Yeah. So, yeah, I will check out a new tower defense game every now and again. And I think it's awesome that developers continue to support OS4. This is over on uh, the itch.io site that belongs to Int Wickler RX, which uh, there's, of course, you can head on over to the Amiga News subreddit. You can get all these links. This is a name your own price deal, so you can you can pay as much or as little as you want. And uh, this looks like a quality quality game. And one of the comments says uh, it runs perfectly on an Amiga One X five thousand, which is Level Lord's machine. So he Bam, has, there you go. Has no worries about that one. Check that one out. Our next story is a expo that is coming up in the great land of Canada. Uh, Sunday. Oh, Canada. That's right. That's all I got. That's, that's all you need. Uh, on <laughs> August 28th, Sunday, August 28th, from 12 p.m. to 5 p.m., you can head on over to the Steckel Heritage Farm in Kitchener, Ontario. There's a drum corps from Kitchener. I can't think of who they are, but they, they are. They're from Kitchener, Waterloo, Ontario. Uh, and you can check out the World of Retro Computing Expo. Now, I wanted to do some research on this thing and tell you what was going to go down at the Retro Computing Expo. However, their website has not been updated since the 2021 Retro Computing Expo. So, well, you know, they're trying to get you in that retro feel right off the bat. I, you know, I applaud that. That's a good, that's good marketing. It's that a good right angle. That's it's a good angle. So I will tell you this, Retro Rewind is going to be there in force. So if you yes. are anywhere near Ontario and you have some broken machines that you'd like them to take a look at, if you need anything recapped, or if you just want to stop by and say hi to Frank and check out his awesome SX64 running a custom Retro Rewind demo, uh, you can head on over to World of Retro, and uh, it's free, free entry. Go on over oh. to uh, worldofretrocomputing.com. You can get yourself a ticket. I believe it's a free entry, but you need to get a, yourself a ticket. 
show up and enjoy some retro computing goodness. Good times. Yeah. Now. And say hi to Frank. That's right. Speaking of Frank. It's worth it just to go see Frank. That's right. Speaking of Frank, let's talk about RetroRewind.ca. Now, uh, there's a lot of people out there that have Amigas. They, uh, they're listening to this show. And, uh, but maybe your Amiga is on the fritz. We were, uh, there was a tale of woe being told on the Discord of an Amiga 1200 on the fritz by uh, one of our Discord uh, companions named Benz. He's over in Scotland. And I said, I was thinking to myself, boy, you know, I bet he wishes he was in Canada so he could just bring his computer to Retro Rewind and get Frank to fix it up for him. Uh, Frank is home, Retro Rewind is home to all of your uh, needs, whether they be software, hardware, extensions, expansions, and adapters. The newest thing that he's got going on right now is the Amiga USB HID mouse adapter. Yeah, I was hoping you're going to mention this. This yeah. thing is, this is the, if you're, okay, RetroRewind.ca, right? Yeah. You've got your computer fixie bits, right? That's mm -hmm. awesome. Does He does a great job. I've seen the man work in action. Good stuff. You've got your parts if you're a do-it-yourselfer, right? But now, with this mouse thing, everyone who owns an Amiga should be on their way to RetroRewind.ca to buy one of these. Because the functionality of this, off the charts. Off this the is charts. the most needed thing for for a uh, Amiga you could possibly buy. Well, you know, we talk about this all the time when we're doing a lot of uh, dexterity-based mouse games, whether it's uh, Marble Badness we played a game called Rock and Roll a couple weeks ago where you really needed to have a lot of mouse control. And one of the things that is really hard to simulate with a PC is that mouse movement on an old style computer mouse because they built those things, they built the games to be less sensitive because mice back then just weren't as sensitive. And one Absolutely. of the things that you can do with this mouse adapter is you can actually change the DPI of the mouse. It can be configured directly from the mouse with this adapter. I'm sure you how killer is that? Yeah, I'm sure you've run into situations on ARG Brent, haven't you, where the mouse speed is really thrown off the game? Yes, yes, and, and this is one of those things that if they could have done it better back in the day, this is one of the things they would have done it. This isn't like, you know, some things you want, man, I want this to feel retro, so I don't want to go tinkering with my stuff. This is the absolute number one exception, because uh, especially with the Amiga, not well known for their great precision mice, this gets you right where you need to go. Yeah, yeah. So, you can check out the Amiga USB HID mouse adapter. It's only 20 bucks. What a steal at Retro Rewind. So cheap. And so cheap. you can save 10% off this and any order from Retro Rewind by using the promo code AMIGOS10 at checkout. We thank Retro Rewind and we appreciate them being a sponsor of the Amigos. All right. Are you ready? Eat to stuff cheaper, is it? That is just crazy. That's right. Are you ready for Wacus? Oh, yes, I am. All right. Let's do it. All right, Brent, let's talk about some Waukes the Detective. Yes. Now, 
I'm going to ask you a question that Aaron often asks me on this show. Had you ever played or heard of Wacus the Detective before? No, no. Uh, due to my uh, American upbringings, I was not often exposed to the Polish uh, gaming scene. Yeah. So this one kind of flew off my radar. Yeah. I will tell you that we've learned an awful lot about Poland and their people and their drinking since we started doing Amigos. Because, listen, a couple times a year, they get together. It's, you know, demo parties, Amiga events. I remember Amiga Bill went over there because I think his wife is from Poland. And, man, they were they, they, it, was, it was an Amiga explosion of alcohol-infused excitement. It was awesome. So one of these days, one of these days, I'd like to get over there. Wacus, of course, comes to us from the land of Poland. It was released in 1997 on three big discs. Uh, it was published by L.K. Avalon. L.K. Avalon, they were one of the marquee Polish publishers of 8-bit micro software. Uh, the, uh, the Atari was really, the, the Atari was like the spectrum in the U.K. In Poland, it was all about the Atari 8-bits. They have so many, so many games came out of the, the Polish retro scene. Uh, this particular group was known as Lazy Artists. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Perhaps unsurprisingly, this is the only game to their credit. They were just too lazy to be. Maybe, maybe the publisher's not so ready to team up with a development team called Lazy Artists. I don't know. But uh, Wacus was programmed by a guy called David Weiss. Uh, graphics were done by Radslaw Walachinya. And uh, the music was done by Adam Skrupa. Now, as far as I can tell, uh, none of these guys were involved with anything else other than uh, than Adam. Adam, the composer, he's actually done audio for tons of games and is still active in the industry today. So I'm going to give you a little trivia question, Aaron. What, Brent, what, uh, what popular game, this mega popular franchise, is actually based on a series of Polish novels? I would have to say that I don't know. <laughs> it's The Witcher. The Witcher. Have you played oh, any okay, of The Witcher before? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Well, the Witcher comes from Poland, and uh, he wrote the theme. This guy, the same guy that did the music for Wacus the Detective, wrote the theme to The Witcher 3. So wow. He's, wow. He's been that, at it for a while. Some... That is some interesting uh, curve in gaming credits. Yeah. Because <laughs> Wacus and The Witcher don't share a lot of common characteristics. <laughs> um, I tried to look up what L.K. Avalon, the publisher, is doing these days. Uh, and it seems like uh, they are now active in the educational software category. So um, that's, that's what they're up to. There's a market for that stuff. Uh, Absolutely. Lazy artists, as you might imagine. Uh, I couldn't find anything. They're probably still just lazing around, doing nothing. A, a little defunct at this point, but, yeah. you know. Now, um, let's talk about the background story of Wacus the Detective. Did you watch this opening cutscene? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, yes. So this... this... And, I, and I did get the English patched version because you can get the polish version where you're going to be far more lost <laughs> yeah that's true that's true so all of this this story plays out over this this i guess you call it uh cinema noir or film noir yes film noir this style i particularly love 
it, it, it's it, it always reminds me of like the uh the the movies that are like Dick Tracy or the movie where in Home Alone where he's watching it and he gets scared and has to turn it off. Uh, there's always a, a sort of a gravelly voice protagonist uh, and a bunch of bad guys and dark alleys and things like that. Well, you you play in Wacus, you play as one of these private eyes uh, who's been working some long hours. You're you're pouring over your case and you fall asleep until you're woken up by a shifty looking guy in a trench coat. He he pulls in and he says, "You got to help me. My coin collection has been stolen." You know, and often, yeah, that often, you know, can we get a, a peek at the shifty guy? Is that possible? Yeah, let me uh, let, up let, on the big screen. Let me let me roll back here so you can see a little bit of um, of what's been going on with uh, with this. Because I have to say, as the as the story's rolling, right, and and you're sitting at your desk, and, and the the shifty guy, as you say, comes in. I feel as if the main character looks far, far shiftier than the guy that just wants his coin collection back. You don't really hear a lot about shifty gangsters having coin collections. It's not. Right. It's, it's right up there with the bottle cap collection. You know, it's just That's not it. not common. So anyway, uh, the shifty guy pulls out a gun. Okay, he pulls out a gun shaped object and walks. To be fair, I'd pull a gun on this guy too. That's <laughs> true. That's true. And Wacus, he freaks out. He freaks out. He falls down, and he bumps his head. And uh, he, he, he gets knocked out, and the game plays out over Wacus's sort of fever dream of finding this coin collection. So whatever you do in this game, please know that you're not actually affecting anything in real life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, you know, often if someone was like, hey, my coin collection is lost. I need you to help me find it. The the last thing I would expect to is to be walking around finding individual coins just strewn all over the place. Yeah. So <laughs> so what is the game like? Well, let's see. Yep, I'm going to guess most people expected that. So how would you describe Wacus the detective? I would I would describe this game as uh, uh, a very Amiga like platformer. <laughs> can you explain explain further what you mean by Amiga like platform? Uh, this is a obscenely difficult, uh, but well programmed for the most part. Uh, there were a couple issues. Uh, platformer where everything will insta kill you. You have very little defense or offense as it is. And you need to collect X amount of items in a stage to to advance. I mean, the, that's the formula to a T. Yeah. And uh, it is definitely on uh, uh, on point from that regard. Yeah, yeah. So the point of the game this is a uh, this is a side scrolling platformer that takes place over the course of three levels. Uh, and what you have to do, and like you said, this is a this is a play right out of the Amiga platformer playbook. You have to collect the required amount of coins and then exit the level. Uh, so you've got you've got uh, and everything in every level is out to get you. There's enemies, yes. there's spikes, uh, and nothing is there. Nothing is there to give you a hand. So um, now what are 
what what do you do or what what's your character doing here? Well, your character is dressed in what appears to be a hospital gown and a trench coat. So he's <laughs> I guess that they were they were trying to play the the game of like he's dreaming, so let's put him in pajamas, but let's also make him look cool. So we'll put him in a, in a trench coat and uh we will put him in uh and we'll give him some cool shades and of course we'll also give him a gun. And so as you as you go through these levels, uh, your job is to uh, destroy enemies or avoid the enemies, and you do have an offensive weapon in this game, so it's it's not yeah. quite the manic miner situation. You've got a gun, and the gun, the way that you use the gun is is different. Um, the of course the Amiga with one button, your up is your jump, and when you press the button, you don't fire your gun. When you press the button, you draw your gun. Okay? Yes. And uh, then you have to press the button again to fire the gun. And uh, then if you start to move again, then uh, Wacus will blow a puff of smoke off the gun, cool guy style, and then put it away. What's interesting is if you draw your gun without firing a shot, he also blows the smoke off the gun and then puts it away. Um, <laughs> what did you think about the extra step of having to draw the gun before being able to fire? Okay, this is real close to a platform puzzler. Mm -hmm. I, I, man, boy, see, I don't want to call it that. You know what? That's unfair. This is not a platform puzzler. But this has aspects of where you need to destroy a wall to advance further. Mm -hmm. So your gun is not just an offensive tool. Sometimes you need it to uh, actually make it farther into the level. So to have to pull out the gun and be able to think about your shots, I, I didn't have a problem with. Uh, because you, since you have limited numbers of shots, and there are times when you have to have those shots to progress, I'm kind of glad they didn't just make it a snapshot, a snap decision. Because I was wasting so many bullets at whenever I had my gun out. I can only imagine that would be doubly bad if... Every time I hit the button, it was just an instant shot. Well, did you have any problem with that? I had all kinds of problems with it because it, oh. I just because you have to make you know, and sometimes in puzzle platformers, you get a little bit of leeway in terms of being able to see a greater portion of the level, so you can kind of plan your route a little bit. In this game, yeah. you're zoomed way in, and again, that's another sort of hallmark of Amiga platformers is that you're zoomed in so far that it's it's hard to see the rest of the level. Uh, one of the options in this game. And it's kind of interesting because I, I played this a little bit on the Amiga 600, and okay. uh, and I wanted to see if if this made a difference because by default the screen will not scroll until you get almost next to the screen. You almost have to push the screen along with your body. Uh, there's an option in this game to turn that off and to make the game scroll more normally. You've got yeah. to do that. If you don't Absolutely. do that, the game is incredibly, incredibly difficult. And at first I was thinking, well, maybe there was a hardware reason why you weren't able to do that. But I was playing this on the Amiga 600, and uh, this is just a you know plain Jane Amiga 600 with a, with a one meg expansion. And uh, it had no problem scrolling the screen normally. So I'm not sure why that was put in or why it wasn't the default. But you've got to make sure to turn that that on. You want to turn on like enhanced scrolling, I think is what it's yeah, called. It, in fact, everywhere you look for this game, every little review or snippet, 
has that detail mm-hmm. about ha- turning on that option on the main menu because otherwise the game is is literally unplayable. It's already unfair as it is with having objects uh, quickly approach you from off screen and and having to push your body against the screen makes it so much worse. Mm-hmm. It compounds an already bad issue. Yeah, yeah. And so and it's interesting because I've never ever seen a game that does that. Like that gives you an that option like do you yeah. want really horrible scrolling or good scrolling? Please choose <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> but I did it is odd. I do agree with you that this definitely fits into that puzzle platformer genre because you're doing things like throwing switches, uh you're discovering hidden areas. And the action isn't really fast and furious. Like you have a limited number of enemies. What makes the enemy encounters difficult is that you don't often see them until they're right on top of you because the screen yeah. is so zoomed in. It's definitely their positioning that's more of a problem. Right, right. So the three levels in Walk as the Detective, you start out in sort of a, um, I don't know, what would you call it? It's, it's, it's sort of like a sewer type level. Then you go to, uh, or it's like, a, I guess it's like a castle, but it's got running water and stuff. The second level right. is a science laboratory. and Almost spaceshipy. Right, right. And, yeah, I, maybe, it, maybe it is a spaceship. Maybe it's either going for that sci-fi because you do have things like teleportation devices and things like that. Yeah. And of course, what are you going to do for your third level? Oh, yeah, Christmas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because why not? And why not make Santa Claus a bad guy? Because, you know, what else is he going to do? So in the, in the third level, you're fighting Santa. And uh, I think there's, you might, there might be some elf. Uh, f- uh, there's, definitely, uh, there's definitely presents that are your enemies, bouncing yes. presents. Uh, they, they, I always think about the, the enemy in, uh, in Final Fantasy, the Mimic, uh, which is the, the, the treasure yes. chest, you know, with the, with the bitey-bitey. Actually, that might have been from Dragon Warrior. I can't remember. But anyway. Uh, no, Mimics, yeah. Mimics are a, a staple of Dungeons & Dragons. Okay. D- they, they have their roots in D&D. Uh, yes. so, uh, but anyway, you, you go through, you, you defeat the enemies, you collect the coins, uh, and you've got to just be careful that you don't run out of ammunition. Uh, this yeah. game isn't shy about telling you that, uh, there are hidden things to find and they're not shy about telling you that they were real jerks when they were designing them because in the manual, they're like, oh yeah, make sure you check for spikes that aren't really spikes. And nothing says fun like running into spikes trial and error style to find the ones that aren't really spikes. Especially in a game where it's a one-hit kill and the checkpoints are few and far between. Yes. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, I know this might be jumping ahead a bit, but did you get off level one? No. 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 I don't feel bad then. Yeah, this was... Why Why would they design a game like this? The the they had so much going for this. I actually think the guy, the little guy has has a unique and fun style. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's almost like they saw the Matrix before the Matrix came out, right? Because to me, that he doesn't look anything like his uh, non Dream World cutscene equivalent. He looks uh, a lot cooler than his non Dream World cutscene equivalent. Exactly, exactly. So this is almost like his uh, you know, self-image in the Matrix, running around, being a kind of cool guy. He's got the gun, he's, he's, doing, he's blowing the smoke and all that stuff. Uh, so, like, character, bam, plus. I think that's awesome. I thought the controls in this were fine. I didn't have any problems with them at all. Uh, but, boy, when it came to design... Well, I think that this this just brings to light the 
sort of fundamental difference between European game design and Japanese game design. I don't even include yeah. Western game design in that because we weren't really players in this field. Not at this time. Yeah. Right. Um, and what the Japanese discovered fairly early on is that it's more fun for the player to uh, be able to progress through a game without exposing them to a tremendous amount of trial and error. Um, in Europe, the fun, the quote-unquote fun of the game, is doing things over and over and over again until you physically memorized every move and every aspect of the game. And yeah. some people might call that getting your money's worth. You know, some people might argue that, you know, if you if you are if if they take that element out of the game and you just rely on sort of skill and dexterity alone, then the game becomes too easy to finish and you haven't you haven't gotten your your 20 pounds worth of 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 fun out of the game. Um right. however, I think history has borne out that uh the the Japanese approach is more fun for players because if you finish the game, then there's always, you know, what you do, that's where you put in the secret areas. You give the player a reason to replay the game, whether you're putting in secret areas, whether you're making it a score-based challenge or a time-based challenge, how fast can you beat this to get the best ending? You know, all these are ways that you can make a game that doesn't require you to do a massive amount of trial and error uh, and still get your quote-unquote money's worth out of it. Right, and uh, something definitely to note, it's not like Japanese designers would sway away from secret areas. They love that crap. Like, putting putting secret passages or something where you would never, ever expect to find them. The difference, I think, in a lot of design philosophy is the Japanese style didn't require it to progress. It was something that you could find at some point during your play. Right. Whereas... This game especially is a, a hallmark to the difference in styles of developing. There is There were so many times where I was just like, I have no idea what you want me to do next. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you, it starts to grind on you, and then you die a cheap death. There are cheap deaths in this game. They're not nearly as bad as uh, some other Amiga platformers. In fact, I would say this game is fairly fair mm -hmm. yeah uh it, it does make you make a few blind leaps of faith uh enemies do hang out uh that have projectiles that are one that will get you as soon as you walk on the screen and of course that kind of stuff is is always annoying um however it's you can go slow enough to mitigate some of that uh frustration um If this you, game if, is if you were if, tough. If you were going to improve yeah. upon this game, what are a couple things you would do to improve it? Level design. I mean, that's really where it needs to work. The level design on this is punishing instead of fun. Being three levels. Uh, now, are, are the levels huge? Yes, they're astronomically large. Uh, you will definitely get lost and not know where you're going. Probably a dozen playthroughs in uh, because things don't just loop around. Sometimes you walk into a corner and you get teleported to a new location. And then you're like, well, what the crap just happened? Where am I now? And you have to start learning that part of the map all over again. I think level design, if they would have made this 10 levels, had the same 
amount of stuff, right? But just spread it over 10 levels instead of 3. And had, maybe instead of collecting 100 collectibles, you collected 20 to mm-hmm. go onto a new a new stage. You can still have branching paths. I don't have problems with that. You can still have the freedom of exploring and looking around. I don't have a problem with that. But these levels are so massive and they're so expansive that you get lost and you don't feel like you know where you're going. And I really have a problem with that in games. Yeah. Yeah, I think if they could have and trust me, we we talk about this it seems like every time we talk about a platformer game where if they w- just would have kept the entire game and just split it up instead of having three stages had nine, you know, yeah. that would have gone a long way. And I always say this too, you know, you have a, an epic cutscene at the beginning of the game and you have an epic cutscene at the middle of the game. What you should have done is make little cutscenes that go like maybe explain why he's going from the castle to the laboratory. You know, it yeah. doesn't have to be anything crazy, but maybe just a couple still shots. And then you definitely need to explain. Now, I understand it's a dream, but you still gotta you still gotta have some sort of a story in there. Yeah, and it wouldn't have been hard to do. No. It could have been like, oh, I found a clue. Right. That's it. That's, That's all you it. have to say. That's it. I hey. will give this game credit for one for at least explaining why we are collecting the coins. Right. And right. I will give the game credit for not just being a hundred coins on the stage. Yeah. Yeah. You I, can collect a hundred coins and still have more coins to collect. Right. I'll, you know, so those are at least steps in the right direction. I would have preferred not to have a single hit death. I think in a yes. game like this, you need to have at least like a three heart life bar. Or three heart like would have been perfect. Um, but like you said, the graphics are fine. I thought the game actually, the control was fine. The, the, yeah. the, the game, the, the game controlled well. Uh, I think that the, the 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 whole like drawing your gun thing is wacky, but I could live with it. You know, I can live yeah. with it. So this is a you know it's it's another sort of game where they had a lot of great ideas. The graphics are, were great. Um, they yes. could have used you could have used some background sound though. There's no music. All you have yeah. is uh, you get a jingle at the beginning of each stage, and then that's, that's it. it. Yeah. Um, does this did this remind you of gods at all? I can definitely see where someone would make the comparison, but no, this I, I mean, yes, it did remind me of gods, but this was nothing like gods. Mm-hmm. The way that you throw the switches and unlock different parts of the stage, right? The uh, but I mean that would that kind of reminded me of it, but uh, the the action definitely isn't as hot and heavy in this game as it is in God, correct for sure. So, um, but anyway, you know, Wacus, it uh, I tried to find any reviews on this game. Uh, I think that this game was only released in Poland. It probably did get reviewed somewhere in some Polish magazine, but nothing that I could find online. We did get some uh, reviews on this over on the Discord. Uh, if you want to leave us a review, you can go on over to patreon.com slash Amigos Podcast. If you support the show, you get access to our Discord server and you can leave us a review. You can also help choose the games. This was chosen by the Amigos Game Selection Committee. Alien Breeder says, this is a somewhat interesting game. Uh, faint praise there. Uh, graphically, it's got some real positives. The main character is well animated and detailed. The enemies are large and well detailed. The levels themselves are nice looking, but lack anything special. The gray levels feel like someone forgot to finish them. I want to take a break and real quick from Alien Breeders review. Did you tw- did you try the noir graphical overlay on this game? No, no, I, I didn't so see that the, as an option. The first, there are three options on the option screen. The first option. Is, yeah, but they're all in Polish. Right, right. So the first option 
is playing the game in the noir um, setting, which means that you get an overlay. It's a graphical overlay that makes everything brown. Okay. Uh, it's about as much fun as it sounds, but it does look like it's got some film grain. It looks like a noir movie. Okay. Yeah, this has got to be the one of the, maybe the only Amiga game that I can think of where they, because, you know, these days, putting uh, overlays and stuff on your game, you know, especially like shaders and all that stuff, especially in the retro community uh, and emulation is, is all the rage. This is the first game that I can think of that actually gives you that sort of like downgraded tech feel, you know, film grain and stuff like that. So yeah, I'll give it props for that. Um, the other thing in the option screen is that it will actually give you tips. It will show you if you if you select, if you check beside the tips thing, it will give you arrows and things about where you're supposed to go. However, the instructions say, by the way, some of the arrows are just tricks. Hee hee. Yeah. So, <laughs> thank you, tutorial. Thank you. Anyway, back to Alien Breeders review. He says, uh, as far as, as for the gameplay, it's not terrible. The character moves well. However, controlling the gun is a bit odd and slow. Pressing the button to draw the gun and then pressing it again to shoot can get you killed. Also, the character, when moving left or right, tends to move too close to the edge of the screen, which means you can run into trouble without seeing what's ahead. The other downer is the instant deaths. Touch the water, instant death. Touch a spike, instant death. This makes it a bit frustrating. However, I did have some fun with this game. I give it 720 top bananas out of 1,000. Pajaco6502 writes, On the surface, this game should be quite good. The graphics are awesome and the sound is not bad. The controls are a little clunky, but you can get used to them, especially if you set up a second button to jump. The scrolling on the game is a little off, with Wacus often walking against at the edge of the screen, meaning you will sometimes run into things as you're learning the maps. But the level design means that sometimes you just have to keep moving and hope for the best. Insta-deaths are plentiful, so tread carefully and you might make it through okay. Gameplay-wise, it isn't much to write home about, and while I kind of liked it, the game just irked me one too many times to the point where I soft-locked the game and pretty much gave up. Not bad, but not great. 6 out of 10. He does write a postscript. I just found out about some of the options that might make the game easier, so your mileage may vary with different options enabled. So, uh, yeah, he didn't know about the uh, scrolling The deal. scrolling one, yeah. Yeah, yeah you got to have that. Um, like I said, there were no reviews, no eBay action on this one, unfortunately. Uh, so um, that's now really... Now, the Lemon, Lemon does, does give this an 8.25. Oh, okay. So Lemon liked with, it. Uh, with a eight total votes. Um, I, well, and, you know, I think that's too high. Mm -hmm. I, I think this is more in the six range. If someone said, you know what, this is my favorite Amiga game, I'd be like, okay, he owned this as a kid. And he has fond memories of it. Right. You know, this isn't something that you're going to get offended that someone liked. Because, right. you, you know, this is some people's jam. Oh, yeah. Uh, but eight, that, I think that's a little high for old Brent standards. And I will say, I think the box looks cool. I did look to see if anybody had the box anytime, anywhere. There's one post from, like, 2013 where somebody was like, hey, does anybody have the box to this? And everybody was like, nope. So um, <laughs> I guess that uh, if it's available, it's only available in Poland and in a very limited quantities. But uh, this is this is one I, I wouldn't mind having a box copy to because because I think it looks cool. You yeah. know, uh, it's time, Brent, to talk about what's been going on as we leave Wacus to talk about what's been going on in the wider Amigos community. So let's check out uh, what's been going on over on the Amigos Retro Gaming channel. Uh, now we're going to start 
with what you and Aaron were up to last week. Uh, you guys did the post-Amigathon 2022 edition. Tell me about that. Absolutely. Uh, it was a short week for us because of Aaron going out of town and we uh, uh, spun the wheel and we couldn't make the deal. The deal was called off. It was too much. It was a, an unemulatable system we found out, <laughs> uh, which put us into a bit of a panic mode. But I was like, hey, Aaron, do you have it set up so we can play Amiga games? Because we were going to do Amigathon a little bit Aaron's mm -hmm. at Amiga Studio East. Right. So Aaron was like, yes. Yes, I do. And it fell into place. We raised a little extra money for uh, the charity, which you can donate at right now, folks, if you are so inclined. Yeah, bit.ly slash Amigathon 2022. Yes. And uh, uh, we ended up having a really good time. Uh, it's amazing how good the Street Fighter is for the Amiga if you are using CD32 stick six-button setup. Oh. We had some throw-down good times uh, playing fighting games. We played some uh, uh, cooperative games. We played some games that probably should have been cooperative, but were still kind of competitive. <laughs> it, was, it was good times. It's definitely worth checking out. We also did it all in a torrential downpour. Uh, and if you are familiar with Amigo Studio East, it's a large metal shed. And uh, when it rains, it sounds like the world is coming to an end. <laughs> it's but not it's the, good times for that. It's not well. the soothing sound of the rain that you put on YouTube to get yourself to sleep at night. This is the hard torrential <laughs> downpour. <laughs> if you were ever like, man, I wish I had a sound, a weather sound effect for terror and you know, <laughs> fearing for my life, we can hook you up. Yeah, yeah. Now uh, we also released an our Sinclair this week. This week, Aaron and I took a look at Transformers. Uh, Transformers is a license that has continually been rammed into the ground with game after horrible game on all platforms. Transformers is an equal opportunity offender. It is the uh, I remember the the Nintendo game was bad. The uh, the C sixty four game, the Spectrum game. Have you played any good Transformers games, Brent? And no, well, the most some of the more modern ones mm -hmm. are okay. Where they've just basically said, listen, you're a shooter now, Transformers. And Transformers is like, okay, I'm a shooter now. <laughs> and it does okay. But yes, the Transformers license, ripe for abuse. Something that should be a no-brainer. Should be easy, easy to make uh, good, fun games with. And they somehow just blow it time and time again. Yeah. Yeah, so check that out to hear us destroy Transformers on the ZX Spectrum. Uh, <laughs> and finally, another edition of the uh, ranking of Amiga platformers has been released. This time I take a yes. look at the Blues Brothers, and I've got to tell you, Aaron, this is one that I feel a little bit bad about, and farther down the line I am going to have to revisit because I spent the first three quarters of the uh, video uh, not realizing that you can throw the boxes. This is a game that has that Chippendale Rescue Rangers mechanic where there's crates all over the place and you throw the crates to destroy the bad guys. So uh, I felt bad about that. I also felt bad because in the in the first level, you're going through this, it's like a shopping mall 
and uh, you can go into stores. I didn't realize you could go into the stores. Now, what can you do in the stores? I don't know. But uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to revisit this at some point in the future and give it a new ranking of Amiga platformer score uh, because uh, I just missed so many aspects. This is one that I probably should have glanced at the old manual for before I, I went into it. But you win you some and lose some. Normally, you don't feel like you have to do that for platformers, but every once in a while, they'll surprise you. That's right. That's right. And I remember you saying that the Amiga version of the Blues Brothers was actually based on the Game Boy port, right? Yes. I remember yep. that when you covered it on ARG, so I thought that was an interesting little tidbit of, of knowledge. There's one of the stores I could have gone into. So, anyway, that is the Blues Brothers. Check it out on the ranking of Amiga platformers. Now, Brent, it is time to talk about what's coming up next week on Amigos. So, the Amigos game. I won't be here, I don't care. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I guess before we reveal this, I should say, you know, Brent, thank you for, for filling in uh, and, and, and helping me not look totally stupid. Uh, we, uh, we don't get to work together too often. The last time that we were together doing a show was in early 2020. Do you remember the, uh, Spectrum game that we talked about? I do, but only because you reminded me. Ah, uh, yeah. Underworld. That's right. Underworld. Uh, we did, uh, in the, two years ago. So, uh, hopefully, uh, Aaron will miss more in the future and we'll get to see more of you. You know, it's funny. You know, it I, I I can work on his breaks if you know what I mean. <laughs> this is the first episode of Amigos uh, that Aaron has ever missed, except for one. One time he got <laughs> deathly ill, and I had to record Dune Two by myself. And if you know anything about Dune Two, that is not a game you want to cover on your own. It is very it's a very complex real time strategy game. That's not a game you want to cover. <laughs> Me on the other hand, I miss Amigos about three times a month. So, uh, so, but we, we do wish Aaron the best on his vacation and, uh, we will see him on Amigos next week and he'll actually make his triumphal return this Sunday on ARG presents when you guys are covering the new on, is that correct? I hope so. <laughs> the new on. So make sure you check that out. All right, Brent, let's see what we got coming up next week. Micro Mortal oh. Tennis, man, this is uh, this is a uh, I think I believe that this was a cover disc, but I guess maybe it was also released by itself. You know anything about Micro Mortal Tennis, Brent? I don't, but I love me some tennis games. Well, tennis, yeah, it's usually a good time, and, and I, I did cheat a little bit. This is sort of a Mortal Kombat, uh, a Mortal Kombat style tournament crossed with tennis. Should be interesting. Ooh. Now. You may be asking yourself, or you may be thinking, this is what I guarantee you're thinking, Boat forgot the Patreon song because he was too nervous about hosting the show on his own. Well, you would think that, but you'd be wrong. Yeah, because I'm right here. <laughs> I had this plan all along. I had this plan all along. The, the, uh, the end credits are so epic of Wacus the Detective that I have put together a credit roll of all of our patrons and all of our Twitch subscribers, and you can watch your name. Scroll by as we watch the end credits of Wacus the Detective, and that's how we're going to end this week's episode of Amigos. So it's time to say goodbye. Thank you again, Brent. Any parting so you're thoughts? Saying, you're saying that you added the Patreon's names into a video game. 
<laughs> I wonder where I got that idea from. <laughs> so, yeah, and if you want to add your name to the credits of a video game, make sure you watch ARG Presents. Guys, thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next time, and until then, adios. adios.